0: Okay, let's have a message. You came for a message, right? Yeah. yeah, I, amen. Isn't it good to go to church and get a message from the Word? It's great. Hey, I have an idea. I give you a subject, and you have a Bible verse in your heart and mind on that subject. So here it is. Um, can you do that? Do yeah, okay, here it goes. Uh, God loves you. God loves me. God loves me. Do you have a Bible verse on that? Okay. All right, turn to your neighbor. Tell them the Bible verse. Go ahead. What Bible verse do you have? God is love. God loves me. God loves me. God is love. Oh, wow. Okay, um, another one. Peace. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, give I you. Peace. Do you have a Bible verse on peace? John 14? 27? Yeah, 27. Yes. Peace. We... Um, The blood of the covenant has taken people far away and brought them near. And he's broken down the partition, the wall between us, and he's made peace. He's reconciled us to God. Isn't that amazing what God has done for you? Does God love you? Has he given peace? Do you have peace in your heart? What's his name? Right. What is it? What's the name of God? What? Five names. Five names. Isaiah 9 6. Unto us a son is given, a child is born, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Peace I give. My marriage is bad. Mine isn't. Thank you, Lord. It could be my marriage is bad but I have peace. I have peace in my heart. Wow. My life is not that that great but I have peace that makes it great. There's a greatness of God, the grace of God. All right, that'd be the last one. Grace. Do you have a Bible verse on that? Grace. What is grace? Go ahead, talk to your neighbor. I'll tell them what is grace. I'll call on you in a minute. I'll call on a few of you. Pat, Big Dave, I'll call on you, okay? Okay, grace. Grace, peace, love, mercy. Well. Wow. Amazing. Okay. Let's see. Who do we have here? How about Ken George? You got a verse... My grace is sufficient. Remember Paul prayed, Second Corinthians 12. He had a thorn in his side. And he said to God, take it out, take it out, take the thorn away. And the Lord said, what? Well, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. I give you the strength with the thorn. With the thorn, my grace is sufficient. Looking unto Jesus... Remember in uh, Psalm 78 where it says, um, they didn't believe that God could furnish, furnish, furnace, no, furnish, <laughs> furnish. <laughs> he, they did not believe that God could furnish a table in the wilderness. What? Can God make it, can God give us bread in the wilderness? They didn't believe it. But he did. He gave them manna every day. But they didn't believe it. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited him. Wow. All right, so we want to be strong in grace. We want to believe whatever God gives us, there's a way out. There's a way of escape. We want to believe that no matter what happens in life, his grace is sufficient. Is it? Is it, it, okay, Big Dave, you got something to say to everybody here? You got an opportunity right now. People pray for this opportunity. You got it. Beautiful. that's 1 Peter 5.10 to those that couldn't hear him he's reading from or quoting from 1 Peter 5.10 but the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you've suffered a while let's roll our shoulders forward and get real after I have suffered a while go ahead after I have suffered a while what will he do? After you have suffered a while, real real suffering, after you've suffered a while. Uh, Joseph in Egypt. David in the cave. How about Jesus in the wilderness? Paul in the prison. After you've suffered a while, is there real suffering? How about this doctrine? Like suffering is part of life. Uh, Suffering is not necessarily a bad thing. We don't want it, but if it comes, it's according to his bag. The weights are in his bag. Let me write that down. The weights are in God's bag. What's that mean? Have you ever read that before? It's a proverb. I can't find it right now in my mind, but it's a proverb. He loves a just he loves a just balance. And in the ancient world, they had these scales. You know what they were like? They were like this, with a scale, with like this. And if it was equal, one pound weight and one pound of apples, they had to be equal. The weights are in God's bag. And if he gives you suffering... He gives you suffering. You suffer for a while. What does it do? First Peter 5.10. Make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. Mature you. Like your trouble is, it's okay. It's okay. Because there's the weight, what God gives you, He helps us in our suffering. Take the thorn away. I believe a Christian should not suffer. I believe a Christian should be rich. He should be smart. He should be slick. He should be polished. He should be good-looking. He should be dressed well. He should have a nice car. He should have a nice family. He should have a nice career. He should be a great person, model, classic person. Not, that's not what God says. You follow Jesus, and, and we follow Jesus, and we find God. Because the point isn't to have the perfect life or the great life. The per- purpose is to know the perfect God. And he does that in our suffering. And the weight is in his bag. So you have this problem, and then the Lord will say, I'll give you the grace for it. I'll give you enough grace so that you can suffer well. And you will come out of it more mature. You will mature. You will be like God. We will be like God. We will be patient. We'll have peace. We'll have His love. We'll have life in our hearts. Isn't that good? It is. You're you're a great group this morning, but you're making me nervous because you're so serious. Not really. You're listening to the Lord, I believe that. You're listening to the Lord. Amen. All right. So that was an exercise, so let's Lord Jesus, we we come before you as a congregation. looking into your word to learn it, to have it in our hearts. and Bless our subject today, in Jesus' name, amen. Two things for our subject, and we'll look at Psalm 51 as the first point. Health. Personal health. Health, not physical health, but spiritual health. Being healthy inside. I remember a joke and I found it today. I gotta share it with you. It's so funny to me. It's very have any of you go to health clubs to kind of get in shape? Anybody? Come on. Come on, fess up. Anybody go? Okay. All right. So, have you ever been in a locker room trying to get dressed and like that's half the workout? <laughs> you mean I got to bend over and tie my shoes? Okay. So the I feel I feel like my body has gotten totally out of shape. So I got my doctor's permission to join a fitness club and start exercising. I decided to take an aerobics class for seniors. I bent, twisted, gyrated, jumped up and down, and perspired for an hour, but by the time I got my leotards on, (laughs) the class was over. Okay, okay. What does health mean to us? You know, what is it to be a healthy person? Um, When when God came into the world for us to save us, we were not healthy. We had a cancer working in our hearts. We had that that little bit of poison in our minds and in our hearts that wrecks our lives little by little. Relationships that I love, that I want in my family, but somehow my, my family doesn't want to be with me. Or I make decisions with my money, but somehow I'm afraid of losing my money. Or I'm afraid I'll never have money. Or I'm afraid of losing my house or my job or my career. We're afraid of the future. We're afraid of life. So we protect ourselves. The Lord says, you're actually out of shape. I didn't make you to be afraid. I made you to live your life and know me. Because if you know me, you will be healthy. Look at uh, Psalm uh, 65, verse 4. It's a great verse. Four points in the psalm. It says, Blessed is the man who chooses. Blessed is the man whom the Lord chooses. we will put it here. He chooses you. God chooses you. You are a blessed person if God chose you. Why me? Sometimes, like, I, I remember distinctly when I first uh, went to Bible school, I started going to classes, and I would... Uh, I would um, leave the class thinking, why me? Why me? This is amazing. This is incredible. A little, a little Bible school in Maine, but I felt I was at the very center of the universe. I did. I felt like God is in the room, like God is speaking to me. God has chosen us. This amazing feeling to think like that, for that to happen inside in your heart. Number two, he chooses you to approach him. You actually have access. You actually come before God. You are in his presence. We, we sang about it, didn't we, the last song. We, we stand amazed that we can be in the presence of God and be accepted by Him, though very, very far away, but left to ourselves. By, by the way, I want to make a point about that in a minute, that that this is one of our motivations. I, I think I can do it, just do it this way. When somebody is 10 years old, their their badness is bad. But when they're 40, their badness is is even more. When they're 70, left to themselves, what do they become? What do they become when people are left with a sin nature for 70 years? But then they die, and they are without God forever. What do they become A, a million years from today? What do they become? Do they become anything good? Do they become anything? Do they have anything at all? They have nothing. They have lost their everything. There is no God in their life. There's no grace. There's no peace. They are forever and ever without God. And why do I believe that? The Bible teaches. And and it, it just seems to make sense to me. How come that this life of 10 years old can so easily go down in quality and, and become an old grumpy negative angry jealous selfish person and forever and forever and forever how is it intercepted how is somebody changed how is the, how is it changed they must be born again That's what Jesus said. Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. You have no access. But that's what happened to us. Look at the the verse, Psalm 65, verse 4. Blessed is the man whom God chooses to approach unto him. He will dwell, the third thing, he will dwell in his house. And then number four, what was it? He will be satisfied. How could I forget that word? He will be satisfied with the goodness of your house. You'll be satisfied with God. You'll be satisfied with the goodness of God's house and even of your holy temple. That's what happened. What is health? What does it mean to be healthy? It's that you're satisfied. How did you get satisfied? Did your did your life get in order? No, the order of God came into my heart, and my life got ordered by God. God became the one He put my life in order. I I, I was studying this morning a little bit about how bad people get bad, and where the Scripture says where it goes, and God turns them over to that badness, and then what does it do in their lives? What does that badness do to them? How it affects their relationships, how it affects their optimism, their hope, how it takes away from them and steals from them. I am not envious of the wicked, because I see where the wicked go. By the way, wicked people may be, May be good people in a, in a moral sense, but they are rebellious people or unbelieving people, or not not can, they don't realize they can be professional people, talented people, successful people, but wicked people. They can be they they can be. I'm not saying I'm not judging. Particular people, I don't know about anybody there. I don't want to be a judge. I'm not a judge, but I'm biblical. And I want to know what happens to people that don't have Christ in their life and how that sin nature dominates in their life so they can be very good and clever about covering up their wickedness. But it is there. So that brings us to Psalm 51, and health. This verse on health chooses, you approach God, you are dwelling, you dwell in his house, and you're satisfied in his courts. You're in your heart satisfied. You have a message in your heart. So let's go to one story where we see this happening to a woman who is Many of us are sympathetic with the woman, but she is needing, she is needing Christ. This is John 4, and from this story we will speak about um, our health in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Jesus is the example of a very healthy person, if not absolutely perfectly healthy. What does it mean? It means truth is in the inward part. It means wisdom dwells in his spirit. It means that he sees things as they are. He's the one that connects with reality, like a hand in a glove. I like that picture, a hand in a glove in Christ, in the world. He fits in the world. He's the, He is the way, the truth, the life. He's the one that understands life. And he is love. And he loves us. We that are not healthy are loved by God, and we are made healthy in the inner man, just like him. Though we are not him in that way, he was perfect. We are not... But Christ dwells in us. Therefore, we have a message. And I want to speak about having a message because we are healthy, because we have love in our hearts. We have a message for the people around us, like Jesus had here with this woman. So look at John 4, verse 4. He must needs go through Samaria. So the geography, I think uh, you you may know the geography in Israel goes like this. Here's, Here's Israel, here's the Sea of Galilee, here's the Jordan River, here's the Dead Sea. He's down in Judah here, down in the south. He's here in the ministry. And usually you would walk up here along the Jordan River and go across the valley into Galilee. But he went a different way. He went north, and he went up here through Samaria. And he said, we must go through Samaria. Why did he go that way? Because the Jews didn't usually travel that way because there was an antagonism between the Jews and the Samaritans. But they, And Jesus and his group, they are clearly Jewish people the way they would dress, their accent, their way. they And the woman at the well recognized that you are a Jew. And, you know, we don't have any dealings with the Jews. But he said to the disciples, we have to go this way. And the idea is there's somebody there. There's somebody there that needs a message. There's somebody there that needs me. That that is kind of like for us, there are people that are in the world that need you. We are here in his stead. We are here in Jesus' place. We are here because we we have something to give. We are here because God loves people. We are here because God has loved us and made us healthy inside, in our hearts. We have something to say to people. So let's talk about that. Okay, it goes like this. Here is Jesus, and he has his immediate circle. Who's in the immediate circle? But his uh, disciples, there are 12 of them. In the same way, we have an immediate circle. In your life, you have an immediate circle. Your your family and your friends We have our neighborhood, the geography. We have perhaps the the job I have, and maybe I talk to somebody once a year, twice a year in my career, my job, or conference. I don't know them very well. Or in the case of my wife who goes for walks, she usually walks the same time every day, and she meets the same people. That's a good thing. Because she's building relationships with people in our neighborhood. And those people are are people that uh, need conversation. They they are. um what, what do you mean need? That? They do. They need. Uh, they need somebody to recognize them. They need somebody to care about them. They need somebody that would love them. They need somebody that could just be relaxed and have a conversation with them. And that's where you and I come in in life. We are here. Now notice in the, with the woman at the well, she's not in any of Jesus' circles. She's way out here. But, but it's a divine appointment. It's something set up by God. It's something that Jesus is aware of because he was sent to seek and to save those that are lost. And you might say, "Yeah, well Jesus was good at it. Jesus knew what he was doing. I don't know what I'm doing, and I go, "No, no, you're healthy. If you are healthy, you have God's mind, you have God's heart, you have faith, you have a message. Well, how do I start the conversation? How do I get it going how do well who do how does this work and And so that's what we'll We'll look at uh, it. Let's do it now. I guess we'll say a couple things about it. Conversations with people that have some depth or care. It isn't archaeology, it isn't sophisticated communication, it's just from our hearts. We are listening, and people need to hear something. Yeah, the Ravens, I, I do hope they win today. I, 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 that's fine. It's a football thing and, and so on, and that's a lot on people's minds. Okay, but it doesn't go very far, but that's okay, because shallow conversation is part of life, and we're talkers. Like, learn to talk. Learn to talk and tell stories. And, and then bring up some weighty issues. We said in the 9 o'clock service that everybody loves a fairy tale. Once upon a time, you know, uh, Bill and Jody, they were living well, and then came, uh they were doing really good, and their family was awesome. Then came the enemy, and they were at a loss. They had no answer, and then came... The Savior that came in and he dealt with the enemy and they what? They lived what? They lived happily ever after. Where is that coming from? Happily ever after. That's a good conversation right there. Forever. Do you believe in that? How do we how are you made to think about eternity? You ever think about it? The fairy tales, the fairy tales—all oh, they're just fairy tales, really. Is there something in there that speaks to the heart? Another thing to talk about with people is failure. I was fixing my house; I failed. I failed at it. I was putting an air conditioner in the room in the second, up, upstairs, and I, I lost the grip, and it fell out of the window down below next to the children that were playing down there. It's a story. It's failure. Do people fail? Are they forgiven? Another one, forgiveness. Who should be forgiven and why? What's the point here? People, people, I believe, they're searching in their hearts, but they don't know you. They don't know who you are. They don't know what you're saying. Maybe we, we, we are using our Bible, and by the way, use your Bible in a very good way. Learn how to use your Bible and lead somebody to Christ. Christ. Guys, so many people need to find Christ. But I believe there are people that are afraid of evangelism because they don't understand it. They think it's some kind of a program that we do as Christians out of our duty. But I would like to challenge that thought and say, you do it because of love. You do it because you're healthy. You do it because you have a message. Because you do it because that person you're talking to is going to live forever and ever. And where will they go? How can their life change? How can how can they find God if there is no gospel? The gospel is good news. It's great news. From us, healthy people. What do we mean by healthy people? We mean you're not angry. Make a list. You're not angry. You're not afraid. You're confident. You can admit failure. You're weak. You're very kind. You're loving. You're interested in them. You're a good listener. You're, you're, you care about them. You care about that person. But I don't know them. How could I care? No, I, I understand. But you're going to get to know them if you work with them. You're going to know them if they're in your extended family. You're going to get to know them if they're in your neighborhood, but that's an interesting thing to me, that I would not know the people in my neighborhood. Yeah, but you don't know my neighbor. Yeah, but it says, don't return evil for evil. If your neighbor is evil, don't treat them evilly. But return good for evil, as much as you can. And if it's really weird, Just stay away from them. And you can do that. That may be wisdom. Just stay away from them. On the other hand, it might be wise to give them grace and and pray for them and be kind to them and win them by being good. It can change them because maybe nobody is good to them. And that's what's made them unhealthy, angry, frustrated, alone, lonely, suicidal, depressed, alcoholic. Or whatever. Broken relationships everywhere. Of course. Because they are sinners. Are you? I am too. But we've been healed. We dwell in the house of God. We are dwelling in the house of who? We dwell in the house of God. Let's go to that, that slide there for a second. Where is it? Yeah. We dwell in the house of God and are satisfied in his courts, and in his temple. Satisfied? We're satisfied. You're you're angry, it's okay. Can, can I do something for you? Can I help you? Because, you know, I just care about you. What a beautiful thing that is. That happens. Now let's go to the story. In Sean 4, it's a little different, but from what we are, we are saying, but we made some points, and let's look at it. They came to the woman, verse 7. The disciples went off to get some food, and he comes to a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said, Give me to drink. Do you have any contact with somebody you don't know at all? Can you meet somebody in a park, and can you approach them, and you don't know them at all? Can you do it? My mother would say to me, how do you do that? I could never do that. I don't think she ever did. But it's a good question for my faith. Could I go to somebody I don't know at all and ask for help? Could you help me? What? Yes, are you lost? Or what do you need? Do you... Can you ask somebody to help you? That's what he did. Can you give me a drink? That, that introduced him to this woman, who, by the way, has a deep thing going on in her heart. If she has something hidden in her heart, like everyone in our neighborhoods do. They have something at work. Everybody at your working place has something hidden in your, and I'm not saying go after it. Like respect their privacy. And I'm not investigating and embarrassing them or going where I don't belong. But in this story, it happened. Because God, Jesus is God. And he has that right, or it happened in this case, where he took that, that initiation to heal the woman, to help her, because she's in trouble in her soul. Let's read it. Verse 8. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, Ask, drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Could I just say another point here? The greatest treasure in the world is people. It's not a dog. People get very excited about dogs. God bless you. Dogs are great. But they can't compare to people. The greatest thing going on is all around us. It's people. They are so much fun. They are so interesting. They are so needy. They are all made in the image of God. They have so much potential. They are so precious to God that He gave His Son, that He would be healed. They he would have a new life. We are in this world to talk to people. We are. We're in this world to love them. We're in this world to touch them, care about them, people you don't know at all. And it's not a big thing. It's not as hard as people think it is. It's not hard to go to somebody and say, can you help me? Or I have a question. Or would you like to talk for a few minutes? I I read a story about a a pastor who was stuck at an airport and he he, um, had a paper. I think, how did it work? It says, if you would like to talk to me about God, I'm sitting over here at gate so-and-so. And he just handed them out. Do you, if you would like to talk about God, come to gate so-and-so. I'm there for hours waiting for an airplane. He had a line of people that came to talk to him about God. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, there are people like this story. They are all around us. They are. And in our prayer and in our attitude, in our heart, like be open to God to lead, lead and help, help us because we are healthy. Let's finish up here. Uh, look at the verses with me. It says, you are a Jew. I am a woman from Samaria. It doesn't fit. And, and Jesus is saying, and yeah, you know, it does fit. It does fit. We speak differently. We're undoubtedly speaking the same language, Aramaic. But your world is different from mine. But I am here, and it does fit. You need what I have. If you knew the gift of God, verse 10, and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. Now, it's still, you could have two levels here. Here's the woman. Here's the woman. Okay. Um, It's a funny little picture. Here's the woman. And here is Jesus in both worlds. I I have the water. I need a drink of water. But then there's another water. There's a water that um, refreshes. There's a Psalm 65, verse 9, I think. It says, the river of God is feeding the world. There is a river that makes glad the city of God, Psalm 46. There is a river that comes out of your belly, John chapter 7. There is a river. There's another river. I want to tell you about that river. There's another river. There's a river of God that makes glad the city of God. There's a river that will heal you. There's a river that will clarify your heart and just cleanse everything and take it all away and, and fill you with satisfaction and joy and peace. There is a river. This is what, what's behind the story here. And she said, sir, you have nothing to draw with. So she cannot help us speak and think in these terms. And so are the people that we talk with. And Jesus answered and said, "Um, I'll go jump down to 15. The woman said, Give me this water. And Jesus said, Go call your husband. Wow, what a shift in the conversation. (laughs) Give me this water. And boy, Jesus is going to go there in the conversation. Go call your husband. Ooh, whoa, wow, whoa, what? Go call your husband. You shouldn't go there. Don't go there. That's my business. That's my private life. Don't go there. That's the, the skeleton in the closet. That's the thing I'm afraid of. That's the thing I don't want to talk about. That's the thing I have a problem with in my life. That's a sickness that I have. I, that's the thing that poisons my life. But look at, look at the point. When you and I are healthy, we are kind. We are wise. We care. We're listening. And maybe if God led us, we'd be bold. And we go right to it. And say, Go call your husband. And she said, I don't have one. Then he goes further. You've had five. I know you've had five. Ah and the man you're with is not your husband. It's like ooh. Why? How come? Because, like, why is that story written? Is that for us? Uh, to think about ministry? That maybe we are here to help people? That we would all agree, I could never do what Jesus did. I could never do it with the precision and the perfection and the clarity and the wisdom. But why is it written for us? Because he left us. He left and left us to be here, to heal people, to help them find Christ, the living Christ, the only answer. And when she goes to the village, she goes to Samaria and says, Come and meet the man. Come and meet the man. Man, wow. Come and meet the man that told me. Everything that I have done. She's saying, His ministry touched my heart, healed me. He's the one. And you know, she's the one that said, I know that the, you are a prophet, remember? Are you a prophet? She said, Are you a prophet? And then she said, I know that they say the Messiah is coming. And what did Jesus say I am he it's written right there isn't it he said verse 26 25 I know that the Messiah comes which is called Christ when he comes he will tell us all things Jesus said under I that speaks unto you am he Jesus, you revealed yourself to a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan? Yeah. There's no difference with me. Where I go, it's not on the surface. Where I go with people, it's really deep inside. I go there, and I heal people. I want to ask you a question. Do you think this church is just for you, or is it for everybody? Do you think that the, that the things that we do are only like for our life to be our life, our way, our comfort, our our comfort zone in our lives and the way we want it to be and our successes and our life, or is this a mission? Are we on a mission? And when we are on a mission because we're healthy, that we can love people that are different from us, because we're healthy, we can meet somebody like very far out of my circle, very far away from my, my circle. Right? But when you and I are healthy, we are not judges. We are ministers. When we're healthy. We're able to go there to that place. And we're playing chess with somebody. And you start talking about failure, forgiveness, grace. Mercy, they meet you again, a month passes, three months pass. They're with you, and they begin to like you. They like you. They're listening to you. Just You are you're, you have love in your heart. You're kind. You're patient. And you say, well, I would like to invite you to my church. I want you to come and listen. There's something there for you. Or you say to them, could I pray with you? Could I pray with you? I want to show you the scripture. I want to show you something next time or however it goes, however God leads you. It's confrontational, very confrontational sometimes, and sometimes it's a slow burn. One year later, two years later, they come, they come. If you, you show, give them a book to read or something. I'm trying to say evangelism, is at the very heart of what it is to be healthy. And there's no form. There are many ways that we learn about it, and there are many ways that we do it. I love to meet people, to be honest. I love to hand out materials, and I don't have to hand out materials. I can just meet people in a coffee shop and say, Hey, how are you doing? Who's going to win the game? What do you think what's the best player? Do you think they have any problems? Do you think there's any player there that's struggling in life? Have you read about this player who, who is addicted to this drug? How could that happen? Isn't he a great athlete? And what is it that in our hearts, where we make mistakes, we make bad decisions? And what do you think the answer to that is? You can lead them in conversation. And in ministry. That's what we're doing in this world. And I know you do it. And you care about it. And, uh, and that's how we live. And this is a great story about it. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Lord, there are some people that have trauma. I met this man from the military. He trauma. He has this trauma. He has trauma, and he just needs somebody to sit with. And and uh, he needs more than that. He needs Jesus, and he has Jesus, but he struggles. He struggles. But the weights are in your bag, Lord. You give grace is sufficient. We want to believe that. Sometimes we don't believe it. But we want to work it in our inner man, work it in our hearts. That we're living in a world where we're surrounded by people that sometimes are crying out. And and we can hear them. Yes, Lord, open our eyes to get beyond ourselves, get beyond ourselves, and just to identify, help us to get beyond our natural appetites, our natural discouragements, our frustrations, our anger, and be healed and healthy and minister to people to help them find you. Maybe someone listening this morning, you just want to say in your heart, Jesus, help me to love people, help me to communicate, open my mouth to speak the mysteries of Christ, to make known Christ in the world. and bring people into your house, you choose them to approach to dwell in your house and be satisfied in your courts. Just say in your heart, Lord Jesus, I accept you, I believe in you, in my heart to be my Savior and teach me and guide me. In your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.